Hello and welcome to a special Halloween double episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, here to bring you some haunted things and some fun things. First up in this uh, split episode, and I split it because the episode was like two hours and um, I think that there's people that are going to just want to go right to the ghost stuff because it's Halloween and there's people that are going to want to learn about my wonderful friend Yevs and uh, I'm giving you the option to go to either first. I do encourage you to listen to both as they were both wonderful parts of the conversation. Uh, so this first part is where we get to know my friend Yevs and we get to learn about her world and her life as a dancer. And then in part two, that's where things get a little crazy and we go on to the world of the paranormal where we talk about ghosts and uh, our theories and our experiences and uh, and that sort of thing. So lots of fun for you on this Halloween night. And let's see. Now, I will have uh, in the show notes, you can uh, scroll down and see that there are links to SoundCloud where uh, you will find an EVP that I captured, one that she captured, and one that I was asked to clean up for a friend of a friend. And uh, those are all very interesting little bits and pieces. I would love to hear what you guys think of those. And uh, feel free to send me a note at scott at scotthaskin.com. Put a uh, put a post on the Facebook page under this episode or uh, or really anywhere that you listen to the podcast. I don't know that I have access to all the notes. I know that I do on iTunes and Podbean. Uh, I'm not sure about Google Play. Um but definitely those, probably not Spotify, but feel free to leave notes. Hopefully they will uh, get to me. Or if, if you want to be sure that I receive them, like I said, send them to scott at scotthaskin.com. There will also be on the Haskin Cast podcast page on Facebook, a uh, folder where you can see pictures of uh, a couple of the ghosts, uh, ghostly things that we talk about. One that I forgot to mention on the show is uh, when I was out shooting Christmas lights last year, I took a couple of pictures really, really quickly of this house that had a really nice setup and there was no one around. The pictures were taken within less than a second of each other. Uh, but when I looked at the photos, there's definitely a huge difference between the two. And I will leave that up to your your judgment. So check those out and remember to like the Haskin Cast podcast page on Facebook. As I do a drawing every month, I select one random fan to receive a gift. It's usually a flash drive of all five mental sauna albums. However, I've got some really cool stuff coming up and I change it out from time to time. Um, different things that uh, that I've, I've put together for you guys as little treats to thank you for checking out the show, for giving it your support and your time. Uh, and hopefully you guys are, uh, you know, leaving the likes and the uh, sharing with other people. And if you really want to, um, you know, write a few words about the show. But mainly the the main thing is the uh, that you like it or that you uh, do the star ratings for the episodes because it really helps me get the word out to more people to uh, check out the show. So very important. And I appreciate for all of you guys that have done that. Thank you so much. It really means a lot to me. Had a lot of wonderful guests on this year. It's been uh, it's been a great year doing the show. I'm looking forward to uh, another 223 or 22 or whatever it is episodes uh, before this thing all wraps up in a couple of years. So uh, we have a long way to go, but it's going to be a very, very fun journey. So let's get to my dear friend Yevs without further ado and hear about her world. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am very excited to bring on my next guest. We've known each other for many, many years. We've only seen each other in person a couple of times, though, uh, back in the the days of uh, me playing in bands. And I played with uh, in a band where she was dating the singer. 
And that's how we connected and we've been friends ever since. And let's bring on Yevs Sturdivant. Yevs, how are you? Hey, how's it going? How are you? I'm great. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Thank you. I'm so excited about our topic because it's Halloween. It's not Halloween Yay. for us, but it's Halloween when this comes out. And we're going to be talking about ghosts and haunted things. How exciting. It's my favorite time of year. I love it so much. It is. It's the weather. It's the the difference in the way the sky looks. It's all the uh, pumpkins and ghosts and little things that yeah. are out in the stores. It's it's the whole package. Yeah, the light is very beautiful. It's, it's just great. It's a great time of year. It is. And we're recording this during the day. And I was originally going to suggest that we do it at midnight because that would just be oh. kind of perfect for the topic. But I have a scented yeah. candle on that's autumn scented. So I feel like I'm in the zone. <laughs> you should probably, I don't know if you can do this, but... Um, add like wind wind noises or that that wings flapping or something some kind of spooky sound you know that's a really good idea i could add like a a Mm -hmm. little uh, creepy sort of background maybe i'll do that that'd be fun yeah yes i think you should i am not adverse to creating evil soundscapes This is what this is one of the many great things about you is that you are down for those kinds of things. Well, thank you. It's it, you know they they mm-hmm. had that uh, song for Christmas called "The Most Wonderful Time of the Year," but I really think they were singing about Halloween. But they knew it wouldn't sell, uh-huh. so they made it a Christmas song. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I you know, and I, I are you a pumpkin spice fan? Uh, I do like spices, but you know, I don't know if you get the pumpkin spice flavorings, but it always comes in this like really sugary syrupy stuff mm-hmm. and i'm i'm just not a fan of the like the super sweet syrupy stuff if they could add the spices by themselves um i actually made my own pumpkin spice that i carry around in a little jar in my backpack and i just like sprinkle that on stuff but i i use it all year long i don't confine myself to just this time of year so you are the coolest yes. person ever the long answer is yes. I love that you do that. And, you know, I tried to hoard because there's you're right. There's a lot of different levels of sweetness depending on the product that you Mm -hmm. get. And I really have Mm -hmm. gotten away. There's like I've tried just about everything that I can find. There are some things Mm -hmm. I won't like sparkling water like that just doesn't Uh sound good. But uh, (laughs) at Triscuits, I will not try the pumpkin spice Triscuits. That's just a bad idea. No, that sounds terrible. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But I, I think that I, I, well, I've tried to hoard a lot of pumpkin mm-hmm. spice products so that I could spread them out during the year. But, <laughs> but for me, mm-hmm. without the, without the cooler weather, without the sky looking that different tint that it has and without all the yeah. feels, it's just, it just isn't, it's mm-hmm. less enjoyable for me. It's more about the experience. Yeah. You enjoy the whole encompassing experience of fall. Yes. I hear you. Yes. Yeah. And I grew mm-hmm. up in Michigan, so it's it's a little different than it is here in Vegas. But, uh, it, but uh-huh. the falls here are, are, are nice. They just start a lot later and they're a lot shorter. Yeah. But, but you're in Colorado. I am. You get a good chunk of weather out there. We do. Our fall feels very, very short. It seems like it goes, you know, summer's long and very hot. And then we get a few very beautiful, perfect, shimmery fall days. And then we get snow and ice and frost and it's so cold and everything hurts and then the next day it's super hot again and it's summertime and I don't it's it's just kind of like a erratic you get little tiny pieces of fall and they Mm -hmm. feel very much like precious gems that you're like yay today is one of those beautiful fall days they don't last very long like today is one of those days it's windy outside but it's also very shimmery and it smells like fall you know there's a lot of leaves that have fallen so 
um, it's nice. We we do get a tiny fall here, but I wish that it was. I wish it was a little bit longer. Well, you know, and I know that the climate has changed over the years. Even in Michigan, it's not mm-hmm. the same as it was when I was a kid. But when I lived in Colorado, I kind of felt like for the weather on the calendar, every day should just be a question mark. And every right. hour you should update it because you uh-huh. can have a beautiful morning and then it rains and then it snows and then mm-hmm. it turns into a blizzard and then the sun comes out right before it yeah. goes down. You get it all in one day. Yeah. And you have to bring like three different outfits to work. You go to work in the morning and like your polar fleece wear and then by lunchtime you're in your shorts and your tank top and then by evening you have to put your sweater back on. It, it, yeah, every Every season in one day. That's pretty common. Yeah, it's all about the I mean, the I was born here and I've never, I'm never, I was, I've lived my whole life here and I've never, I don't think once been prepared for the weather <laughs> here. It's like you're, <laughs> it's always a guessing game. Like it's cold right now, but it's probably going to be hot later. Yeah. Right. And, and so, but I think really layers is about the best you can do in a climate like that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. You're right. The bigger question is how early do you leave for work? Because you can leave a little mm. early just in case there's weather conditions out out on the road mm-hmm. because you can have a sun, sunny day and still have black ice on the road and be sliding all over the place. Yeah, that's true. I don't miss that. The uh, the morning that I decided, because I, I moved from Colorado to Arizona and then back to Colorado, and the morning that I decided to move back, I was on my way to work. I was working at the Pro Sound office in Boulder. And, Mm -hmm. uh, I tapped my brake, I hit a patch of ice and I slid and I stopped about six inches from a police officer. Oh no. And I thought, yep, (laughs) I've made the right decision to leave here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I wonder how common that is for people here because I don't know, it kind of seems like there are always surprise days of black ice and that there are always red lights at the bottom of every hill. Yeah. And I've definitely slid into a police officer at a red light, um, terrified. So I remember at the time I was like, I was a teenager. I don't think I had insurance. I maybe didn't even have a driver's license. And um, (laughs) I was on my way to, I don't know if you remember the lab, um, that like alternative club that was on Union in, um, I don't know, Shelton or something like that. Yeah. And the yeah, and the annex was downstairs, mm-hmm. and there was a I don't know there was a light at an intersection at the bottom of a hill, and I saw the cop, but I had I there was just nothing I could do. I I yeah. I didn't know about the tapping your brakes thing that you should do, and mm-hmm. so I just slid very slowly right into a police officer, and I think he just kind of stuck his hand out and waved like it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, people do this to me all the time. <laughs> Yeah, but I bet you that's part like a typical Colorado story. Yeah, sliding into cops on icy days. Now Colorado Springs has grown tons since I've last been there because I think the last time mm-hmm. I was there was in '98. And mm-hmm. uh, but if I recall, the the worst spot, the spot that I always feared driving on for about six months out of the year was the intersection mm-hmm. of Austin Bluffs and Union. Is that the? I think the, that was the one. The bottom yeah. of the hill, yeah, over by the uh-huh. uh, the college. Yep, that was the one. I think so. I think that, yeah, that's terrifying. And yeah. I uh, I go through that intersection on my way to work sometimes. It's it's a terrifying place. It's always very congested. Mm-hmm. It's always very busy. Yeah. Yeah, and icy days, it's just like, holy crap. Yeah, well, I'm glad that you're okay and that you didn't get arrested. <laughs> 
Thank you. You yeah. as well. well I'm glad you. the same for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it was kind of the same thing. I mean, I think he knew that there was absolutely nothing I could do. And I I, I didn't actually hit him. I was just, inc- I mean, you can't get much closer than six inches as far as the timing goes. And uh, right. yeah, it was, it was wild, but he just waved. He rolled down his window, made sure I was okay. And then he actually cleared traffic for me so I could cross the road. And I thought, wow, Aww. maybe I should just do this so I can get places faster. Right. <laughs> But I don't want to yeah. risk it. It's not worth it. You know, yeah, it's uh, a risky gamble. Well, before we start talking about ghosts, I want to let people know a little bit about you. So you are a dancer. You just had a, uh, a another successful performance. How long have you been dancing? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I think I took my first dance class after I got laid off from Intel in 2009. Um. So, I don't know, I guess that's that almost a decade now. Yeah. Yeah. About a decade. I took, I studied dance for full time for about a year in 2009, 2010, and met some people through taking all of these classes and started a troupe together. And, I, you know, obviously the girls that I dance with have been dancing for a lot longer. And we just kind of do stuff. Um, for, I don't know, it's it's kind of campy fun where obviously, you know, there's, I, I, yeah, I've been doing it for about 10 years with some really wonderful people and I'm very, very lucky and very happy. We still always come together once every couple of weeks, no matter what, over the past decade to either come up with new choreographies, practice, or just eat pizza and talk, whatever. Sure. But, well, yeah. you have to bond, you know, it's not even just about the performance and always working on the performance itself, because part of working together uh-huh. is just learning each other and learning how to, oh, yeah. you know, how each other works. Um, but it's interesting that you found that later in life. Was that uh, not something mm-hmm. that you had a passion for as a child? Um, I really did. I, I've always loved dance. My, um, my aunt, who was someone that I was the closest to on the planet Earth was a dancer for the Colorado Springs Ballet, and she passed away in 2007, around the same time that I was laid off. And there were just these different like uh, events that led me to it, it, I I was in a um, coffee shop kind of the day that she died. Actually, I left um, the hospice care to go to Pikes Perk and just sit there and kind of I got a cup of tea and just trying to feel how the world felt, you know, um, in this new beginning. I don't know if you've ever lost anybody that you're really close to, but it's like all of a sudden your whole life is completely rewritten for you. And I was, so I'm sitting there and I'm drinking some tea and I look up and there's a flyer on the wall for a belly dance class. And I thought, well, that's not something I would ever, you know, just kind of think to do on my own, but it's something that my aunt would have wanted me to do. Mm -hmm. So I went, I had a great time. Um, I was given a little bit of a stipend to go back to school and I thought, um, I'd been given a severance package and I just kind of thought this is the only time in my life where I'm, I'm not going to have to be working and I have a little bit of money, so I should take advantage of this time and do something that I've, you know, always wanted to do, but didn't have the chance to do because of either funds or the life situation or whatever. And so I just went and enrolled, um, in as many dance classes as I could because, I had this little chunk of free time and I wanted to honor my aunt in that way. You know, it's something that she would have done if she would have been able to. And 
So that's kind of what led me to actively engage in dance. I'd always just been a fan before that. I loved ballet. I loved watching. Um, I, I used to get up in the middle of the night and watch ballet on PBS. And, you know, but I, I guess I just never really thought that it thought was something that I could do. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. And just kind of went for it out of the sake of like, you only live once, you know, life is so short. So why don't you go ahead and take this class and see what happens. And, you know, it changed my whole life. I met some of the best people I've ever known in my, in my whole life through a flyer on a wall in a coffee shop. That's amazing. I I love the story because it's something that you had an emotional connection to, but you could also Uh appreciate the art as a fan of the art uh, before you became a part of it. How long did it uh-huh. take you to really start feeling comfortable? Uh, because that's it's so physical and it's so, um, I don't know if, if putting yourself uh, out there is the right word, but like you have to be really comfortable mm-hmm. with your body and, and motion mm-hmm. and not really have a lot of inhibitions, I would think, to, to be, a, be a dancer, especially in the beginning. Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, that was not something or it, it isn't, is not something that I'm even remotely comfortable with now the one (laughs) the one kind of like downside if you can call it that like there's nothing about this whole experience that I'm getting to have with people that I love very much and getting to be creative with people that I love there's nothing about it that I regret or don't want to do but if there was something that I could kind of like minimize or find a workaround um would be the actual like performing on stage in clothes that I would never wear. Like I pretty much, you know, I'm the only introvert in our troupe. Everyone else is very extroverted and like on stage wants to be on stage. And, um, I'm like, I would dress like a Mormon widow every day if I could. And so like, I love, love, love more than life, the creative process of just getting together and people getting together with people and working on choreography or building a relationship with a piece of music where you get to express it through different parts of your body and um, dancing, the act of dancing actually comes very, very, very naturally to, to me. Like I just, I just love to move um, whether or not it looks pleasing to the eye is a whole different story, but that part in and of itself is not anything that I struggled with. And mm-hmm. of course, when I had a lot more time to study and be in the studio all the time and I was taking dance classes full time, I was in a lot better physical shape where the movement looked a lot different because I was a lot stronger. And, um, but all of that sort of like that part of it came very naturally to me. I loved it. I loved stepping into an empty dance studio and like the second my bare foot hits the floor, I'm like ready to go. I don't care what I look like. I don't care. You know, nothing, there's no inhibitions at all. I'm just ready to engage in that space with the people that I care about. Um, but the part about like, uh, having to put on like a saucy costume and, (laughs) um, (laughs) you know, wear all of the makeup and kind of look appealing or try your best to look, um, I don't know, and then go on stage and shake it so that everybody like cheers and stuff. That's, that is a huge struggle for me, but I, I just tell myself, it's like, you know, you a dance as a dancer, when you're coming up with choreography and practicing, you're putting months of time and energy and work into coming up with like 
three minutes worth of a performance. Um, so all of that time behind the scenes and all of that work, I love with my whole heart. And going on stage for just three minutes to perform it is like is the tiny, tiny, tiny little piece that I just do because you kind of have to. Right. Um, <laughs> well, that's that's one of the amazing things about art, too, is all the work that people put into things like they'll practice a play for months to do a three week yeah. run or, mm -hmm. uh, or like that. I did. Uh, I worked on set for 18 hours once to do a 60 second Holy commercial. Cow. And I mean, it's the the amount of work that goes into it mm -hmm. is so unbalanced with the time of the actual product. And then you're done with it. And right. then that's it. And then you go, OK, well. Now what's next? What's next? You know, it's yeah. not like you're going to be performing that over and over. Don't you just love that though? Don't you love all of that time that you get like every single time that, I mean, it's a lot less now than it used to be, but every single time I get to get together with my girls, even if it's just an hour where we're sitting down and we're talking about like, okay, what story do we want to tell? What song do we want to learn? You know, that, like, I love it so much. It's like the meat and potatoes of my life, you oh, know, yeah. but isn't, isn't that work just so great, even though the end result is super tiny, like what you present to the world and what you get to share with everybody is like a little tiny piece of that. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's so wonderful. Like I feel so grateful to get to do that. I would agree with that. And the the little bit of uh, theater work that I've done, I, I can certainly identify with that. The, the great part to me is just watching it grow from the time that I've been given a script to watch mm -hmm. it, you know, to, to the table reads, to the stage reads, to the, you know, uh, performance that w when you go off book and then the costumes come in and all that, it's, it, it's just an, another like exciting, flavorful burst at every little step along the way. And then the excitement yeah. of finally presenting that to people and hope that they enjoy, even though they have no idea everything that you've done to get there, they right. just see what's, what's hopefully going to be something really enjoyable to them. Process. So I have to ask you, uh, what does a, and I love that it's specifically a Mormon widow that you would dress like, but what, how does a Mormon, because as soon as you said that, of course, my first thought is I, I'm picturing Amish clothing. What does a Mormon widow dress like? <laughs> you know, this is a really good question. I should look it up. I actually don't <laughs> know any Mormon widows, but I'm assuming they are modest. Um, in my mind, I see somebody. I just, I just Google Mormon widow to see what come up. Um, I'm assuming, <laughs> I'm assuming like turtleneck, dark colors. You know, something that comes to your like directly below your chin, goes all the way to your waist, and then all the way to your ankles. This is what I'm picturing in my mind, but I'm of course saying that without ever having known a Mormon widow. Um, let's see. Yeah, not a lot of. Yeah, I don't. I don't. The, what I pictured in my head is not coming up on Google Images. You're not having luck with Google today, <laughs> but as, as we found earlier, uh, mm -hmm. before we started recording. But yeah, I, that's kind of what I picture, like one of those skirts. That I, and I've never, obviously, I've never worn a skirt. But when I see a woman that wears a skirt that's almost all the way down to the tops of mm -hmm. her shoes, and the, and it doesn't have like a lot of give to it, I don't understand how you comfortably walk in something like that because you don't, you know, you really can't stretch or move. You can take short steps. Hmm, I think it depends. I don't think I've ever worn an ankle length skirt. Maybe I have. Yeah, I probably have. Um, for performances or something. If it if it if there's a lot of fabric and you can spin and it and it widens out. If it's not form fitting, you mm -hmm. can you can move quite freely in them. Yeah. 
I would, um, you know, but I mean, like I see like people like really take short steps because they're really pushing the mm-hmm. boundaries of how far they can stretch that fabric. And I think, why did somebody make that? And then why did somebody purchase it? And why did they put it on? And why did they not change into something else after they realized that? You yeah. know? Maybe it's super comfortable. Like if I could, if this was a, a fashion option for me, um, I would wear just like a giant piece of sweatered fabric, just a giant piece of knitted soft fabric that only had like a hole for my face to stick out, <laughs> which would would only be necessary because I would have to pee and breathe. Right. You know? Yeah, but, that helps. And then like and then just completely I would just be a big sweater blob if I could. Um because it would be warm, it would be safe. Uh per you know, I would wear this if it was, you know, you could get if it was something you could get off the rack so right. the people that you see the lady that you see in the long skirt is probably just like super comfortable and it's basically like wearing your your bedding you know your mm, <laughs> your <yeah>. comforter <laughs> out into the day i think i tend to think more functional than fashion because i'm not you know i'm not on stage i'm not really trying to impress people and as, as far as my mm-hmm. physical side goes so i think i tend to think utility more than anything but i have seen yeah. sweaters like you're talking about where the head comes up almost like a like a diver's mask and you just have like a round hole for your face and Uh they go all the way down to uh you know depending on how tall you are they would go all the way Uh down to like your ankles so if you wore them with like boots or socks or something like that Mm -hmm. um you would be just completely covered except for your hands and your face hole well this is wonderful i i I love this it just sounds comfy and like you're a little caterpillar in your cocoon yes. waiting for the warmer days. Yeah. Yes. If I, right. if I find that link again, I will send it over to you but that, that I, and you'll just laugh because you'll know why I'm doing it. <laughs> so, but, but thinking in terms of the costumes, and I always like to ask this question because I think it's an interesting time for transformation during a piece of art. You're practicing, mm-hmm. you're, you're coming up with the moves, but when you put the costume on for the first time and you mm-hmm. see your, your girls in their costumes, is that when things start to really come alive for the performance for you when you've, when you've hit that level? Yes, for sure. That's when it's like stage ready. Um, before that, it, it's just like work and time and good work, the good kind of work um, where you're sort of thinking about this. And, but when, once you put your costumes on and you're on stage and assuming you've not forgotten to take off your pants before you went on stage, which I did this weekend because I can't believe I did that. But anyway, um, and your costume stays together and nothing falls off. Yeah, that's when there's vibrancy. The the choreography even looks a little bit more better. There's more zhuzh to it when you've got these, you know, kind of pretty or glamorous or sparkly costumes on and the stage lights are on you and the music is really loud. And yeah, it's a good good time well and also it looks more cohesive you know if you're if mm-hmm. you're just, yeah. you guys are all just wearing whatever and you're not you're moving together but you don't have that uh-huh. uh, that visual connection it, it really changes the the whole feel of it and because so much of what we do as artists is emotional connection i think that visual uh-huh. thing really plays on the subconscious side of it yeah it, it does and it you know you're you're trying when you're expressing something and you're sharing that expression with people you kind of you don't know who or who's going to receive it and how they're going to receive it. But in order to get as many senses as you can to your audience, you want to engage them, you know, through as many ways as you can. And so adding that visual aspect really 
kind of ties it all together and it's part of like removing removing yourself from the mundane or, or the regular regular everyday reality into a new like sort of escapism room just like imaginary fancy land fancy world all of a sudden you know with all of this razzle dazzle and sure to kind of take yourself and your audience away for a second yeah, it allows you to become a character on stage instead of it being you that's out there, the you that's really yeah. like intense and worried about everything. And then once you're on that stage, like you said, as soon as your foot hits the floor, you're not you anymore. Uh-huh. You're the character that you yeah. are portraying in the show. You're part of that story you wanted to share. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Totally, which I think might might tie back to what your your question earlier was. It's kind of that's an easier way to go about that. Um, you're you're somewhat removed. So you maybe are a little vulnerable putting yourself out there on stage, but also it's like not directly you that's out there. You know, there's this layer. Well, I think it helps protect the vulnerability, right? Because if you're afraid of what people are going to think of you, but you're not the one Mm -hmm. that's going out there, your character is, then you don't have to worry about what people think of you. Uh Uh-huh. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) But you also do some work as a DJ. I do. Not as much as I used to, but I guess there's a sudden little resurgence in people inviting me to DJ for things, which mm-hmm. hadn't happened for a really long time. I'd actually just given away and sold about three, maybe 400 records before I moved two years ago, thinking, I'm not going to DJ anymore, so I might as well get rid of these that I'm not listening to all the time. And literally, like, a week after I'd gotten rid of a bunch of extra records, somebody called me like, Hey, <laughs> you, <laughs> you want to DJ on first Friday? And I was like, are you kidding me? Um, yeah. So that's really cool. That's super fun. I really, I really love that. Speaking of like that DJing is a big, um, it, it is one of those sort of formats where you are in front of a lot of people and you are putting yourself out there, but you're so far removed from you're not interacting with the crowd. You're behind turntables. You're way in the back. You're all by yourself. Um, it really could be anybody playing the music. It, you know, it could be a robot. It could be a button that you pushed. Um, so it's like it's you. You put your thought and your time into these records. And I still play on vinyl, so I am touching the records and I am matching the beats and all of that stuff and creating the mixes. Um, but the audience doesn't know that. Like I could be. I could not even be there. And so it's, it's like they, they can be happy or unhappy, but it's not directly you that they're looking at or experiencing. So (laughs) um, it's like, as an introvert, being a DJ is awesome because you don't have to actually interact at a party, but you are a big part of the party. It's cool. I love DJing. You get to bring a lot of joy to people without having to have that uh, that interaction. As always, for us introverts, that's a that's a dream job. But I love that yeah, you're. That it's you're, wonderful. Yeah, I love that you're doing it off vinyl. Yes, I love that too. And I'm really glad to see vinyl getting a resurgence. I haven't listened to any of the new vinyl that's been released. I'm very suspicious uh-huh. of it, to be honest, because I think <laughs> a lot of it is. Uh, the digital conversions being converted back to uh, to album instead of it being the original recordings that were recorded on analog. So I've, I'm assuming that they're putting a lot of digital warmth into it instead of the actual warmth. But I love that uh-huh. vinyl's coming back. That's great. I didn't I actually didn't know it went away, but um, I'm glad that it's coming back too. Like I, I've always just kind of listened to 
records or the music that I very much love, I will make sure to get a copy of it on vinyl. Mm -hmm. And it's always been very easy to find. It's even, it's so much easier to find things on vinyl now than it ever was before where you used to have to like drive to record stores and put through crates and crates and crates to find one song, which is wonderful and a beautiful art form in itself. But now you just like Google, there it is. You can buy it for way cheaper than I ever bought it for before. Um, But anyway, um, yeah, it's always kind of been a little piece of my life since I discovered it. Mm-hmm. And so whether it was like ebbing and, and waxing and waning out in the world, I, I don't know. But it's nice to hear that it's making a resurgence. Yay. Definitely. Yeah. Every time I, I go out to uh, to like Fry's Electronics, uh, I mm-hmm. notice that the vinyl section seems to be getting bigger and bigger. And I think that's awesome. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Let's, uh, you know, the connection that you had to getting into dancing, it's interesting because I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. Why do you think it takes such a strong event, like the loss of somebody close to us, to get us motivated to do something in our lives other than just live out the day-to-day actions? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, that's a big and important question. And I really wish I knew the answer, because if I did, I would apply it to everything that I did. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but, you know, I really don't, I think it's so easy to get caught up in your day-to-day life, especially if you're just trying to pay your bills and you're, you know, trying to make sure the people you, you're giving your best to, the people that you're closest to, and and every day is like, okay, I can do it. It's like a putting one foot in front of the other experience, and then before you know it, like, that's your your habit or your ritual, you know, and you've kind of become removed from the fact that it's okay to spend time not working, to spend time like relaxing and reading and being creative if you are a creative person, which I think everybody is a creative person in one way or another. Um, but I don't, I don't know. Like, I think I was so caught up in just my life that I never... that's such a hard answer or question when my aunt passed away she left her journals to me and there were these three like huge well I think there's four four huge giant tubs filled with journals that she'd been keeping from the time she was 13 Um, she passed away and she was 49 Um, and they were just filled she was so young she was too young yeah Um, and extremely young of spirit too like she just was so vibrant and youthful person you know always but her journals were filled with you know um tomorrow I'm going to look for a new job tomorrow I'm gonna get a better haircut tomorrow I'm gonna look into going to school tomorrow I'm gonna eat better you know it was like she was always always like these are like pages and pages and pages and years and years and years of never saying um today was good I'm happy with where I am today. Wow. I'm glad with what I'm doing right now. It was always like reaching for something that the underlying current being, I'm not good enough as I am. I need to be improved upon. And that had a huge impact on me that I wouldn't have experienced had I not been gifted for journals and just sort of having someone taken from you, from your life, who you're so close to kind of, you, you, it puts you into shape real fast where you're like, Oh my God, we don't have that much time. And I can be a person who is happy and wants to hold on to my life and 
give everything that I've got to be happy and positive, but destiny might have a different story for me. You know, I could be gone tomorrow. So better change, redirect my focus on the stuff that, like I was saying earlier, the meat and potatoes of life, like figure out not so much like making sure your bills are paid, but what making sure that your heart is being tended to and that your joy is being tended to. And, um, yeah. Wow. As in equal measure. So I don't know. I mean, I wish that that was something that came naturally to everybody, but we're a very work oriented society. So it's real easy to get caught up in like going to work, got to get a promotion, mm-hmm. got to make more money, got to go to school so I can get a better job. You know, it's, it's super easy to get. I think that that there's a certain awareness of our mortality when someone passes, especially someone who we're extremely close to. And it kind of Mm -hmm. uh, it kind of wakes us up. But I think so many people then, uh, you know, three or four days later, a week later, they just start settling back into their life again. And it's it's when you stop pushing, when you become complacent uh, to me, Mm -hmm. that's really when you die. You know, you you can come back from it. But if you're, uh-huh. if you're not pursuing things that make you happy, if you're not doing the things that you want to do with your life, uh, it's right. going to pass by and you're going to look back going, what if I would have, or, or, you know, right. Like, holy crap. Like you want to think about what, what kind of journals do you want to leave when you're gone? Do you want to leave pages and pages of, you know, today was awesome. And I did this thing that I wanted to do and it didn't go so well, but I did it anyway or whatever, you know, Yeah. or, or like pages and pages of like, I need a better haircut, you know, I need need new shoes. I need, you know, it's just, it, yeah, I don't, I think there's also a lot of weird roadblocks put in place where you get convinced somehow that you shouldn't or can't do things. Like, like you were saying, starting dance later in life, like a lot of people wouldn't even think of that a lot of, people would sort of think, oh, it's too late for me to take a dance class. Um, you know, if I'm, you know, older than 13, I probably shouldn't take ballet because it will never go anywhere. I'll never, you know, make it to the New York City Ballet or whatever. Right. Um, but looking at that in context of losing somebody and being reminded, reminded of how short life is, you're just kind of like, I'm going to take that class. I don't care if I don't make it on the New York City Valley stage. I just want to experience dance. I want to know what that feels like to express with my whole body. I don't care how long, you know, I have gone without dance or I don't care how many people think I can't, like, you know, or whatever. Like you just, I, there's so many systems in place to tell you that you can't or it's too late or it's silly or it's silly if it can't add up to something bigger or, you know, um, there's just a lot of things telling you no out there in the world. You've got to kind of jump over that and just try it anyway, see what happens. I agree. And I think the biggest, one of the biggest problems that we have in society is just this idea that we're not good enough or that we don't deserve to do the things that we want to do. And we've got to get mm-hmm. over that, you know, as a, as, a, oh, yeah. as a, an individual and as a group, we have to, to look at everybody and go, every person on this earth deserves to live the dreams that they want to live providing Mm -hmm. my caveat is that they're not doing anything that hurts anyone else. Right. And I think there's plenty of room for everybody. If 90% of the world wanted to dance, we would, we would accommodate Mm -hmm. it, you know? I agree. Uh So I, that's my big message to the world on this Halloween night is stop it. (laughs) (laughs) Just stop it. Just go for it. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think that, that people 
that uh, that don't live those happy lives that kind of have that regret? Do you think that those are the people that stick around after their debt to stay miserable or death uh, to stay miserable even longer? <laughs> um, wait. <laughs> Uh, what? Well, honestly, I don't think I could have asked for a better place to cut the show. <laughs> that just that was just perfect. Um, yeah, what an interesting and wonderful person she is. And uh, I was really, really grateful to uh, just get a little bit of time with her. And then uh, it just, you know, we just kept talking and uh, found interesting things and uh, have a lot of philosophies coming up in the next episode. So stay tuned for episode number two, where we talk about all things haunted. Happy Halloween, everybody. Happy Halloween.